DPP Vice Presidential Candidate Xiaobi Kim held the first international press event of her campaign on Thursday. Nearly 30 foreign media outlets attended, centering their questions on cross-strait policy. Xiao said she would stay committed to defending Taiwan's freedom and democracy, but that war with China was, quote, not an option. Vice presidential candidate Xiaobi Kim greets journalists on her fourth day in the race. She held an international press event to take questions from media. Twenty-eight foreign media outlets were present, including CNN, BBC, Bloomberg and AFP, as well as 12 news agencies from Japan. A key issue of inquiry was cross-strait relations. China has sanctioned Xiao twice before. It recently said that she made the DPP ticket more pro-independence than ever. Media raised questions about her future engagement with Beijing. I will continue to forge ahead in my commitment to defending Taiwan's democracy. I think we have reiterated our position that we remain open to dialogue, that we are also committed to the status quo. Dialogue is the only way to resolve differences. War is not an option. Xiao stressed that war was not an option. Last week on the sidelines of APEC, Chinese leader Xi Jinping told U.S. President Joe Biden that China had no immediate plans to invade Taiwan. Responding to the remark, Xiao said she was optimistic but cautious. We expect and hope that Xi Jinping was being sincere. Of course, we also sincerely hope to find the highest common denominator with the other side of the strait to maintain the status quo of peace and stability across the Taiwan Strait. It's like what former U.S. President Ronald Reagan said during his talks with the Soviet Union, trust but verify. We'll accept it, but we'll have to make sure it's true. Xiao also shared her thoughts about returning to Taiwan to run in the election. The thing that worried me most was the dark vortex that is Taiwan politics. It's something I didn't want to face. I had finally found a position where I could focus on serving my country without having to run in elections. But I hope that in the future, I'll still be able to focus on serving my country. Xiao took every question, showcasing candor and approachability with each reply. Over in the opposition camp, it remains unclear what the KMT and TPP will do about their joint ticket bid. When asked to weigh in on the potential challenge, DPP vice presidential candidate Xiaobi Kim said she would focus on her own campaign and on earning public support. DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde once again dismissed the threat of the potential tie-up, saying it would be based on mercenary calculations. He said that even if the two parties reached a deal, their ticket would not be good for, for national development. The deadline for registering for the presidential election is Friday afternoon. Over in the U.S., five Republican candidates took the stage this month in the party's third primary debate. Taiwan emerged as a key focus. The candidates were unanimous in supporting Taiwan and countering China. Their united front has resonated with some internet users in Taiwan. One viewer said the debate displayed how politicians in a, quote, normal country should behave. 
During the third Republican presidential primary debate, candidates were asked about China and Taiwan. Former U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations Nikki Haley stressed the importance of arming Taiwan. We should be arming Taiwan. Make sure they have the equipment they need. Make sure they have the training they need now. There is nothing China fears more than knowing that America will have Taiwan's back. Let's make sure that we show it by making sure they have the equipment they need. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis said that besides arming Taiwan, the U.S. should impose sanctions on China. In Florida, I banned China from buying land in this state, and we kicked out on our universities, and we kicked the Confucius Institutes out of our universities. We've recognized the threat, and we've acted swiftly and decisively. The candidates were united when it came to backing Taiwan against China. Former New Jersey Governor Chris Christie said the U.S. should position its nuclear submarines in the South China Sea to deter a Chinese attack on Taiwan. And if we are going to deter China from invading Taiwan, the only way we're going to do it is to make sure that they don't know whether how many nuclear submarines from the United States of America are in the South China Sea and in that area and ready to strike on them if they decide to move on Taiwan. The debate also touched on the Chinese social media app TikTok. Without any question, what we should do is ban TikTok, period. Just the easy gone. answer is actually to say that we're just going to ban one app. we got to go further. We have to ban any U.S. company actually transferring U.S. data to the Chinese. Here's a story most people don't know. Airbnb hands over U.S. user data to the CCP. Taiwanese YouTube channel with Sydney featured the Republican debate in a video. In the comments section, viewers said the debate showed how a normal country should be, with politicians banding together to combat the enemy. One viewer suggested that the Republican candidates should run for election in Taiwan. Another commented that Taiwan's own presidential candidates should watch the video and reflect on who Taiwan's true enemy is. The election is providing landlords with respite from the tough business rental market. Many politicians have rented out premises that have long been disused as headquarters for their campaign activities. We spoke to a member of the team of Luo Zhizhen, who struggled to find a short-term rental at first. But when another business collapsed, its landlord was only too happy to have the campaign move in. Meanwhile, a prominent yet long-vacant store in Taipei has been adopted as one of Terry Goh's many petition stations. Boxes of promotional materials are delivered to a political campaign team. This premises on Xianmin Boulevard in Banqiao District, New Taipei, was chosen as HQ by lawmaker Luo Zhizheng for the final election push. The team was searching for over two months to find premises. Honestly, a lot of landlords are very unwilling to do short-term lets. This building was occupied by another business, and it happened to have some operational difficulties, so the landlord terminated the contract. It was just at the same time as we were looking for an HQ, so we took the space on. It's a boon for the landlord that Law's team has swooped into the building. The previous tenant at pawn shop ran into trouble and got into rental arrears. But the upcoming election has saved this landlord from a headache. Meanwhile, lots of premises in Taipei City are sitting stagnant, but one store on a bustling street, empty for the last three years, has finally been rented by Terry Goh's campaign team as a petition station. The rent is probably around 850,000 NT. Since the last tenant left three years ago, it's been out of use. We have some stories we can't let out on Zhongxiao East Road. They're all let
let to discount retailers, but now we could let this to a political candidate, and at least that means the landlord can get the rent on time. 店面租金相对来讲在修正的阶段。In the revision phase, there is very little demand for this kind of high-priced unit, but we see that the short-term demand of three or six months, these temporary tenants for high prices have certainly managed to quench the thirst of landlords in the short term. As the election draws closer, many disused premises have found a fresh lease of life as campaign venues. The short-term rentals give landlords a break from the burden of maintaining empty buildings. The executive yuan has approved a subsidy program for college dorm fees. Starting next February, each student will receive 5,000 NT per semester for on-campus housing. Students won't need to apply for the subsidy, which will be applied automatically to their bills. The Interior Ministry's Housing Fund will transfer the funds to the Ministry of Education. We will then send 90% of the subsidy in advance to universities. The schools will subtract 5,000 NT from the students' bill each semester. For economically disadvantaged students, 7,000 NT will be deducted. Students will only need to pay the amount that remains afterward. At about 80% of Taiwan colleges. On-campus housing costs between 5,000 and 15,000 NT each semester. Only a minority of schools charge more than 15,000 NT. This means that the new subsidy will take housing costs to less than 10,000 NT per semester for 80% of college students. The five-year program will cost 2.8 billion NT a year and benefit an estimated 275,000 students. President Tsai Ing-wen went to a Taichung military base on Thursday to inspect a training program for next year's conscripts. Starting next January, the service period for military conscripts will be extended from four months to a year. The one-year conscripts will undergo an updated training program that includes field rescue missions and other battle simulations. Gunshots and explosions ring out as soldiers in camouflage navigate the obstacle course, making their way forward. Soon, this training will be mandatory for one-year military conscripts. One-year conscription will return starting next January. Unlike before, after eight weeks of boot camp, conscripts will undergo shell shock training. They'll have to push forward through gunfire and explosions, overcoming their fear. The goal is to ensure conscripts are an effective combat force when their country needs them. The training will also include missions to rescue wounded soldiers. In this demonstration, a soldier fires at the enemy, buying time for troops behind him to tend to a wounded soldier. Within 20 seconds. The casualty is taken away, and the group retreats to safety. The mission acquaints conscripts with the battle scenario, while emphasizing the importance of coordination and cooperation. It's possible that the squad leader will die in battle. If that happens, the soldier assigned as deputy squad leader will take over and direct corporals and soldiers to rescue casualties. That will certainly increase the survival rate of wounded soldiers. The training aims to replicate real combat scenarios. In any future battles, you'll have to rely on your own two feet. You may have to set up camp in the wild. All of that has been incorporated. Ahead of the January 25th start date for new conscripts, military units are. 
ramping up their preparations. President Tsai Ing-wen inspected a training ground on Thursday, led by military officers. She reiterated the necessity of one-year conscription. In face of the complex international situation and geopolitical changes, and in order to maintain our national security and free and democratic way of life, adjusting the duration of military service is indeed a must. We have increased the monthly salary to 20,320 NT. The government will contribute to each conscript's retirement fund and offer flexible service options for university students. Each conscript will become capable of serving in the Standing Garrison Force and Civil Defense Units. Tsai listed her policies for conscripts, underscoring her commitment to national defense. The Industrial Technology Research Institute, or ITRI, has partnered with Kaohsiung Veterans General Hospital to unveil Taiwan's first prosthetic jaws. During a three-year trial, nine patients received custom-printed prosthetics. Compared to traditional reconstruction, which uses leg bone, the 3D implants achieved a better fit, improving the preservation of the patient's facial appearance. The implants also improved the patient's ability to chew after surgery. 3D printing marks a big leap forward in the treatment of oral cancer, which affects some 10,000 people in Taiwan each year. The Industrial Technology Research Institute, or ETRI, and Kaohsiung Veterans General Hospital teamed up to provide custom prosthetic jaws to oral cancer patients using 3D printing technology and titanium alloy powder. 3D printing was used to replace traditional reconstruction, which uses bone taken from the patient's leg. The technology vastly improved the patient's post-operative facial appearance and ability to chew. Over a three-year period, nine patients received this 3D-printed metal implant. Most of those patients have begun to regain the ability to chew and swallow. More importantly, their facial appearance has been more fully preserved. Our top consideration is the patient's well-being and safety, ensuring that there is absolutely no danger. To ensure this, we had to do testing to a degree that was unprecedented in our history of working with industrial applications. Doctors say that when tumors are located in the lower jaw, the lower jaw must be removed. But because the bone is curved, traditional reconstruction calls for cutting leg bone into sections and joining them together. This method can't achieve the smoothness of a prosthetic produced by 3D printing. The 3D printing collaboration also yielded a number of patents that achieve stress relief, so that the prosthetics can be used longer and more effectively. Over time, the fit between the implant and the lower jaw can become loose due to continuous movement. Our special patented designs allow us to distribute chewing pressure evenly over the lower jaw when the patient chews. This reduces the likelihood of the implant loosening with continuous activity. Oral cancer ranks fifth among cancers in Taiwan. Every year, about 10,000 people are diagnosed, and more than 60% will need reconstructive surgery. 3D printing marks a big leap forward in oral cancer treatment, offering fresh hope to patients. Today, we take you to an herbal tea store that has 80 years of history. The store's third-generation owner, Jovio Guo, decided to reinvent the brand by using herbal tea to create products such as perfume, jewelry and more. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang spoke to Guo to find out how she's revitalizing the industry while still maintaining her family traditions. Guo makes herbal tea, carefully pouring it into a cup. 
Through adjustments to the formulation and packaging of herbal tea, she hopes to reinvent the image of herbal tea, making it exquisite. I used to work at a luxury shoe manufacturer in China. After I came back, I wanted to transform the industry, making it to be more about gifts and luxury products. Our teas are all sourced directly from the origin. After cleaning, we dry it and process it into tea bags. It used to take a long time to brew traditional herb tea, about half an hour or more. Now, through our roasting process, you can brew it directly with hot water. We adjusted the formula because many young people find traditional herb tea to be bitter and not tasty. Kuo also made this snack using fruits grown on herbal tea farms. Only small farmers who do not use pesticides or fertilizers can grow herbal tea. There are also many fruits grown in tea orchards, and many of those fruits can be brought into people's everyday lives. Pineapples roasted at low temperatures taste very good and chewy. Citrus is cooked with rock sugar, and we add honey after 60 hours. It tastes very unique. The dry longan is removed with a tool and roasted at a low temperature. Our production areas range widely. Some of the fruits are produced by small farmers who have cooperated with my grandparents for 70 to 80 years. We always visit the production site ourselves. This herbal tea store has an 80-year history. Kuo, who is the store's third-generation owner, decided to build her own brand five years ago. She worked in China for a few years and decided to come back to Taiwan to continue her family's legacy because she noticed the herbal tea industry slowly disappearing. Since returning to Taiwan, she's created a fashionable herbal tea lifestyle brand. The store uses hand-picked herbal tea from Taiwanese farms to create herbal teas and products such as perfume, jewelry, and more. I started my business about five years ago because I found that the herbal tea industry was declining. I feared that herbal tea stores may slowly disappear in the next 10 years. I wanted to transform herbal tea, make it relevant to life, and make it easy to choose and use, for example, in the form of tea and bath tea bags. In addition, we turn herbal tea into fragrance-based products that can be used for healing. In the future, we will also develop some plant-based and herbal tea eye masks, which can be reused and are environmentally friendly. My family is very supportive of what we are doing. I hope to expand our products internationally. I hope to work on the packaging and have the opportunity to expand overseas because Taiwan is most famous for black tea and oolong tea. I hope that the good flavors of herbal tea can be promoted internationally. Guo hopes to continue her family's legacy of herbal teas and one day introduce her products internationally. FTV reporter Stephanie Yang and Liu Yuqi in Taipei.